Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Mindset Teaching Outside the Box. We're your hosts, Jillian Willie And Eileen Edwards. And today we have a very special guest, Ryan Ostheimer. And before Eileen um, introduces him, I have to say, Ryan, I always do like a little dance when our, <laughs> we do our intro music. And it's nice to see someone else likes it too. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice little jingle. Sometimes I start and then I'm like, focus, focus. <laughs> so that you know what you're doing. Um, yep. So hello and welcome. And I am so <laughs> excited to have Ryan Alzheimer here with us, the owner of Presence Projects. Ryan is a very talented spiritual teacher, one that I actually have worked with um, for a long time now. He offers presence mentoring in small groups, one-on-one. He teaches online courses that are focused on awakening, quieting of the mind, um, and enlightenment. He's actually one of my favorite meditation teachers as well. He leads sessions with um, Insight Timer app on Zoom and in virtual reality with Evolver has a presence community that meets on Zoom, which I have also been a part of. He has hundreds of hours of content on his YouTube channel and even supports many Facebook groups surrounding presence practices and being and staying in the now. (laughs) So Ryan, thank you for coming. And um, could you just maybe explain a little bit more about um, yourself? I might've missed something possibly yeah sure uh hello and nice thank you for having me on here i love the concept the idea you guys are are moving with your mission i think it's very needed and and beautiful i'd say i'm kind of in the same on the same page in a way just in my own uh projects but with the same intention of just helping spread well peace of mind i guess Memorize. <laughs> uh, it's just spread more peace around and and uh, uh, self awareness. You know, just these things that I didn't learn until my early twenties uh, that were so grounding, and I'm in, they weren't taught in schools, and I wasn't taught by anyone. I kind of stumbled upon it, and uh, and now you know I live in this in a different experience of life than I used to much more peaceful and content and happy. And so I just, it feels natural to, to share that in all my various projects. That's beautiful. It is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing that wasn't mentioned. Uh, yeah, I'm a father. I have an 11 year old daughter, so I get the parenting, uh, trials and tribulations <laughs> and joys <laughs> that's a challenging age for girls <laughs> mm-hmm. so i'm sure you're getting put, being put through some of that right now yeah I, I actually i do have seven younger sisters so life gave me a little preparation but still there there isn't enough preparation <laughs> <laughs> and no brothers so lots of feminine energy Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's rough. I have a um, Eileen, when you were introducing Brian, um, you mentioned that Brian that you lead some presence communities. What exactly does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, well, there's different ones. Uh, the 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 smaller one that I do is uh, for presence practitioners. So anyone. Who, who kind of uh, is interested in exploring what presence is, you know, the state of meditation, basically. Um, and with that particular one, I mean, we have a, a topic, but really it's just kind of a support group um, because in this journey and in this life of practice and such, there's so many obstacles we run into and so many challenges. And maybe, you, you know, you have a really bad day Whoa. I think it was him that froze this time, not me. 
while we're waiting for him to come back to, I have been part of the one he's talking about. Um, so I can say it, it does run in a pretty small group most of the time. Um, it could be anywhere from maybe three to 10 people maybe meeting on Zoom. It's about twice a week. Um, just kind of checking in on the week. Um, what were the um, challenges? Whoop, he got bumped. Let me back. What are the challenges um, that kind of arose? What did you do in that instance? What do you need? Um, and then sharing of like our practice. That's kind of something that we've done consistently is like, what does your practice look like this week? Or what did um, presence look like for you this week? Um, and of course, life, humans kind of fluctuates. So um, it's just a small group of adults. And it's nice because it feels like people who, we've talked about this before, people who get it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> I was just telling her about the small group that meets on Zoom, kind of given the details of what kind of comes up and what we discuss and mm. how it's helpful. But at least I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when it cut out. My, I was recording a YouTube video today and I, it was a 30-minute live stream. And at the end of it, you know, I published or I, I like uploaded it or whatever. And, and it only, it only saved 16 minutes. <laughs> so the other 16 minutes is gone. It's like, Oh, surrender practice. <laughs> but yeah. Technology. Yeah. It's got to roll with it. Right. Yeah. That's really, that's really cool. That's nice to have. Nice that you host that for other people too. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you know, one reason was because when I first got into these into these practices, I felt very alone. Uh, I felt like a lot of people around me weren't interested, particularly in the language or in that sort of uh, I don't know approach. And so, yeah, I had this sort of loneliness feeling, and and so there from that I had this uh, and just intention to help foster community around around it so other practitioners can not feel like they're the only ones <laughs> even though i mean there is something to be said about like the group that meets for with with me is around the weekends um all over the world uh in ireland and various parts of the u.s so it's, it's a global little family um and it kind of shows like in a lot of ways we're very spread out in some ways uh but with technology you can and vr too same same idea it's a global community. It's so easy. It's much easier to, to have a more intimate relationship and connection and such fellowship as they might call it. I agree. Yeah. Needed. Absolutely. <laughs> Something that I know I, I needed and I'm very grateful to have had still have. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your like path how did you get here? So we know where you are now, but how did you get here? Oh, there's, there's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a short story, I suppose I could summarize it. Um, well, you know, the shortest short answer is suffering. Uh, when I was in my early adult life, eight, well, actually, I was, I was 19 when I found out I was having a baby. And that catapulted this uh, very different approach to reality of it's not all about me anymore and taking on responsibility and kind of shaking off all my, my uh, bad habits, so to speak, <laughs> or younger habits, because now, you know, I got to take care of my little one. And, um, and that made me grow up a lot, but I was still in a lot of suffering. I had a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, um, uh, I actually, one thing I, I had a lot of back then too was paranoia. My mind would run off into really wild, crazy scenarios. And when that would happen, I didn't realize how exhausting that was to my energy, to my emotional energy. And, um, and it kind of all, you know, that, that all that suffering kind of just built up into a point of, of a break, you know, of like a, I don't know, 
<laughs> and I just really was seeking something, some kind of help, some kind of relief. And that's what my mom actually gave me the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart. And it was the piece of the puzzle I was looking for, clicked and uh, was immensely helpful. And even though, I mean, it, it clicked in ways, but then there was also like, it kind of sparked a spiritual journey uh, of exploring different teachers and, 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 and life. I, I enjoy studying all the various religions and modalities and, you know, open in that way. Um, and from there, you know, finding a lot of very helpful tools and answers and questions and contemplations. Uh, and slowly through that, there was, you know, an integrating process or a healing process, you know, of, of starting to, like, for example, when I first read The Power of Now and I started to do meditation and such, I could get into a, a deep place of peace um, in that moment of meditating. And then I go to work at the time I worked in a pizza restaurant and you would just, you would go out the window, you know, and I'd get into the anger and reactivity and all this stuff and stress, stress, stress. Cause you know, restaurants, especially there's so much time pressure. Um, and uh, so then I it kind of dawned on me while, well, you know, meditating in finding that deep peace is lovely you know, when I get off work, but it would be really cool if I could bring that into my work because I'm working 50 out 60 hours a week. Like, why not be at peace during that 50 to 60 hours a week if it's possible? Um, and it, it was possible. It took, a, I mean, it took a tremendous amount of practice and, and study and contemplation and patience with myself too. Uh, that's an important one, not being too hard on ourselves because there's this delicate balance, like moving towards that, that sort of idea of, of more consistent peace, but then also not getting stuck in perfectionism and being really hard on ourselves. And, um, but yeah, I did that for a number of years and, and with the studying and everything, got to a place where I really felt consistent peace in anything I did, whether it was uh, going, you know, one of my big realizations where I, I realized I had, I had started getting these practices down is I took my daughter to Chuck E. Cheese. And I remember years ago, I would take her and it was just so much stimulus and the, the, you know, all the games are turned up on high and the kids are running around and it's just chaos. And I would get so stressed. And this time I went and I was, it was actually, I felt very still. The chaos was still there. I was just in a state of peace <laughs> and I was kind of surprised by it. Like, wow, this is weird or different. And um, that's when I realized like, oh, I'm really onto something here. <laughs> so, so much. Yeah. Yeah, then I just started sharing it and here I am. <laughs> I think it's important because um, I think so many people go through those same types of experiences and don't know what to do or don't feel like it'll ever change. Mm. Um, and I think it's made you a really fantastic um, spiritual teacher for me personally. I think that, you know, knowing that that's where you've come from and how you are now. <laughs> Sometimes I just listen to Ryan talk because I'm like, how does he talk? You can tell that he's completely 100% present in the moment. You can just tell when he's talking. Just blows my mind sometimes. I used to have a lot of anger too, actually. That was one of my big ones. A lot of resentment that I had to address and heal. Um, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I think I think reality is is like we're born into this world. You don't really get a, a solid you know, how to on how to get through life, and you experience all these. Uh oh, froze again. Oh no! I don't know what he was going to say. <laughs> don't know what he was going to say that time. Sounded like maybe he was going toward the root of like, we're all dealing with all these different things that keep coming up along the way. And you have to try to navigate all of it at like the same time, <laughs> you know, especially as you get older and things kind of build or, you know, um, yeah. I mean, it, it is very powerful to heal yourself. And I know we've talked about that before in previous episodes yeah 
I think that's where he might have been going with it. I could be wrong. Um, we should pop back in here. Yeah, I like that he also, the first thing that he said when um, I asked, you know, tell us about your path, how'd you get here? And he goes, well, the short version in one word, suffering. Because that really is it. It's like all humans go through it. It's all, everyone's is different, but we all go through it. Um, and I think it's important for people to know that even if you were in suffering or you are presently in suffering, that that doesn't mean you will be forever. I was just telling Jillian that I liked that your short answer to how you got here was suffering. (laughs) (laughs) That is humans. Mm. I'm not sure what you remember saying last, um, but you were, um, you had explained your path and I think you were like getting ready to add something on at the end. And then oh, it's okay. I'll just go with the flow. It's gone. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Jillian, did you have something that you wanted to ask about his journey before we move to the next? Um, I don't know if I did. I, I've been lost. That's okay. Sometimes it comes back to us right when we need it. Yeah. So in the episode, I think this is like episode 14. Um, in our episodes that we've had, we've talked about a lot of great stuff. A lot of great things. Great things that I know Ryan has experience with. But three of them specifically, when I think back, really made me think of your teaching. And one was awareness. Um, and then presence and um, meditation. So I was wondering if maybe you could tell us maybe a bit more your thoughts on those three things. Um, We've kind of already discussed them, but I know you're kind of an expert on those. Gladly. In one way, I think they're all kind of the same thing, Uh, really, you know. um, But I've played with like, how do you define meditation? Because for years and I've, I've stumbled upon all these little different ways to point at it. Uh, but I think like fundamentally a uh, very important piece of it is this moment right now that you're listening. This is present moment. This is where if you're going to have a meditation, this is where it happens. Um, it's also connected to presence, present moment, presence. It's when your awareness is anchored in this moment. Uh, but also there's, I, I kind of like break it down into two layers. There's the external present moment and internal moment. So the external is like for you, it's me speaking right now and you're listening. And then also there's sounds around you right now. My air conditioning is blowing, which we got a new air conditioning. It's very strong. It's almost too loud, <laughs> but there's sounds around us. Um, and, and this is our external present moment. Uh, there's, there's, the, there's the five sensations. And really, we, we tend to overlook the five sensations or the five senses um, or like the breath or the body. And yet they're so, they're masterful practices. As simple as they are, that's the beauty of them, is they pull us out of the complexity of mind, of thinking, of being lost in our stories and our thoughts. Because that's really where all human suffering occurs is in the mind. It's it's in the thoughts that are rambling on uh, about X, Y, and Z and, and everything in between. And uh, so, but that leads to the other, other side of, uh, of present moment, the internal present moment, which is inner awareness, which I would say is, a, is the deeper definition of both presence and meditation and awareness. It's the inner awareness of two layers. One is thought observation, what's going on in the mind. You know, it's as we're, I think we're culturally starting to become much more aware of being careful of like toxic thoughts, negative thoughts, um, negative thought patterns that we've absorbed throughout our life, different beliefs uh, that were pressed upon us through childhood and so forth. 
that we kind of carry. I mean, it includes all of that stuff, uh, negative self-talk, um, complaining, uh, fear. But the other side that's also, I, it, this, you know, it's funny for a while, I was really focused on the thought level of like really paying attention to the mind and my, all my thinking and my storytelling and all this that I do to myself. But then, it, you know, where it got, went deeper was when I started bringing more awareness to my emotional states. Uh, and that's the other part. So there's the thought awareness and then there's the emotional awareness. And the emotional awareness is very important um, for multiple reasons, especially just healing process. Um, but it's, it's not just how did you feel earlier or how do you want to feel? It's right now, as you're listening, listening in, how do you feel in this moment? And just feeling that. Uh, being present with that so like you know if we're doing a podcast I when I when I first I think my first podcast I did I felt nervous when I was first doing like talks in public and stuff I'd feel nervousness and so I take here some nervousness and be present with it don't make it wrong or anything just kind of give it your attention and that's that's a very deep meditation in and of itself just listening to it it's not wrong it's not supposed it's not it's not that it's not supposed to be there because it is there if it right and and so that uh, internal awareness is really what I've come to a very a more simple definition of, of what it all is, the presence and the meditation and the awareness and all these things. Um, and again, just to summarize, what am I thinking right now and what am I feeling right now? And uh, those two mixed with present moment uh, is, is it. <laughs> Yeah, we just talked about our last podcast last week was about meditation. Hmm. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about like more so like the components of meditation, whereas last week we shared different types of meditation, because I think some people don't realize that they do have sort of a meditative practice, hmm. um, but it might just not look like what they picture it to be based on movies or yeah. Um, so what does your meditation practice involve? Is that what you were going to say, Jillian? Uh, was, yeah. <laughs> uh, my meditation? Mm -hmm. Well, at this point, life is my meditation. Everything, anything I'm doing is meditation. Um, but early on, one of my, two of my, my, my first meditations ever was playing guitar and skateboarding. Uh, this is before I knew what meditation was, but I would go to those things because it would get me out of my head and it would get me out of the dramas of life in those moments. And it was just powerful and I felt connected and I felt uh, alive or something, you know? And, and so I think those types, we kind of label them as hobbies, but when you're really in it, you're really doing it. Like that, that is the essence of meditation. Um, and, if you can add in that internal awareness too, though, of like uh, what I what if if I was aware of what I was thinking and feeling while skateboarding and and, and playing guitar, that would be a whole nother level. But um, yeah, I think that's that's an important thing to highlight. Like it's not um, it's definitely not sitting cross legged with the you know the classic uh, Instagram pictures and stuff. Uh, that's beautiful. There is something to those various things, however the essence of meditating isn't supposed to be like, Oh, I get to find peace 15 minutes a day. It's why not live in that peace, you know, and, and drive in it. And uh, just everywhere you go, <laughs> families, family reunions, <laughs> you know, all of it. Uh, that's, that's where it is to me. I think that's the end goal for everyone who's on this, you know, path, this journey is that, you know, their life I know it is for me that you know my life will just become <laughs> meditation that mm. I'll be able to be in that full state of you know awareness or get myself there no mm. matter what it is well um, now I'll just say even in it doesn't mean problems don't arise <laughs> exactly it doesn't mean challenges don't stop it's just how I respond to them becomes much smoother and just accepting and allowing and and adjusting rather than like kicking and screaming and fighting it, <laughs> which is just naturally what we were kind of conditioned to do. Um, yeah. Earlier you mentioned um, 
like not only being aware of your thoughts, but being aware of like your body more. Mm. Do you have any tips of how people can start doing that or what that might um, kind of what that could be? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lovely question. Um, I find hands or feet are, are, are good to start with. Um, so take hands, for example, if you're, you know, you hold your hands out and you can look at them and just kind of invite knowing, like, what does it feel like to have hands? You know, uh, just kind of notice what does it feel like to have hands? And you might feel a tingling or some kind of a, a very slight experience and that it's what's interesting about that is because if you're able to feel that slight experience, it means you slow down enough to, it helps you slow down because if you're moving too fast, you're not going to be able to feel something that's very slight. So that's kind of the, the gift of it is it, it forces us to slow down enough to pay attention to our, to ourselves, literally. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. And another way that you could, you can do it. Ecker has a trick where he says, imagine what it would feel like not to have hands. And then when you play with that, suddenly your hands become more like, oh, there they are. Uh, and you can then do that. So honestly, I would recommend if, if the hands one really works and you feel it feels nice or pleasant, you know, you feel this sort of stirring energy of sort. But like I wouldn't think about too much with trying to label it with spiritual words or anything like that. It's better just to feel um, than to get caught up in the mind of trying to figure out. Uh, but so you're feeling the hands and then, yeah, just use that as your meditation practice. That's incredibly powerful. And if you feel like it, you could then play with moving your attention throughout the body, moving that same attention in the hands. You can actually feel your forearm and your shoulders and your head and your legs and your torso and all the way through to the feet and toes. Um, and even your whole body at once, which I mean, I'm doing it right now as I'm speaking, I can feel I'm kind of also paying attention to the, sensation of my body um and it kind of blew my mind when i first heard this because i it was in my 20s i don't know exactly how old i was but when it finally dawned on me because it was like before that moment of of really feeling my body i i don't think i was ever really in my body <laughs> if that makes sense like i was never really paying attention to my physical body all that much I was more treating it like a means to an end you know if i'm hungry i'm like oh i'm hungry or you know and that too uh, rather than just giving it attention. And, and I have a joke that like the only time I ever felt my toes was when I stubbed them, uh, you know, boom. Oh, there's the toe. Ow. Um, and I have a theory even that maybe if I am, have attention in my feet more often and I'm, I, I'm actually more aware of where my foot is in time and space, I'm going to be more careful not to just slam it onto every coffee table <laughs> that I walk by. Um, so if you stub your toe, it's a little sign from, from live saying, slow down and feel your toes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Love that. Thank you for that. That was helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember at the beginning of my practice, people would talk about, you know, the option of doing, you know, inner body awareness meditation and I would, you know, go through a guided meditation. I'd be like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Mm. Like, I could never, ever do it. You probably, Ryan, heard me say it multiple times. Like, I don't feel anything. And I remember thinking, well, that, that, that method is just not for me. Mm. And then probably about a year ago, you shared an inner body meditation live um, in one of your presence groups. And I happened to catch it live. And I did it and I was like, oh my gosh, I could actually <laughs> feel my hands. It was like, I just wasn't there. And I, mm. looking back thinking I was probably just so in my head during those initial ones that like, I couldn't even think of feeling the, you know, the sensations that were happening in my hands. Now I can do it, but it's funny. <laughs> So there's actually two things that we were talking about before that um, relate to school age children. And um, we obviously 
mostly talk with teachers and parents. So um, I wanted to try and touch on those today before we go. Um, one is more so for elementary age students, um, the teaching of emotional awareness, um, something that you've talked about before, um, Ryan. So I was going to start with that one and see what do you think you could tell us more about okay. that particular need? Oh, wait. I was looking at my question and oh, he, he was gone. I don't just, know if he heard my question. Just popped off. So hopefully he'll be, be back on because I want to hear this. Yes. This is good. Emotional awareness is something that Ryan brings up. Um, a lot in some of the sessions that we do online. And um, at the secondary level, um, we've talked about um, judgments. Um, that that's something that, you know, students at that age really um, need to have discussion about. Oh, there, Ryan, did you hear my question? I did not. Okay. So I was like, I'm not sure if he heard it before he popped off or <laughs> so we were the first question was, um, or the first need rather, was more related to elementary age students and it was the teaching of emotional awareness. Um, mm. so I know that's something that you and I have talked about. So could you tell us a little bit more about that particular need? Absolutely. And I'd also just throw in that I think there are adults in their 80s and down that could use it. We all need it. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, I mean, I, was I agree. I mentioned like I didn't get into it till my 20s I, it just was maybe being male too there's a bit of a of a weird mm. cultural thing with males and emotion but uh yeah just just mentioning that but uh, yeah emotional awareness is uh, so important um just being able to to feel whatever's coming in and to not feel that it's wrong so important uh you know so like how that would look in school is, you know, if a kid is feeling overwhelmed or stressed or whatever, if the teacher could recognize that and kind of um, not punish them immediately or tell, you know, it kind of create this, you're wrong out, but kind of hold the space and allow them kind of a kind of guide them to give it attention rather than letting it come out through their physical action to slow down, give it your attention. Give, they really, it's like they can give it their own attention has their own presence and you can your own presence can do the the work or the magic so to speak if you can just slow down and and listen to it listen to yourself basically you know in on this emotional level and it, so and but a huge part of that too is non-judging you know not judging the emotions um no matter how intense or how trivial they might appear too i've gotten countless emotions that um on the surface didn't seem like a big deal but, you know, in my practice, if I'm looking at trying to heal every little nook and cranny of suffering, then even those little tiny ones of like being irritated uh, with the Zoom going in and out or, uh, you know, the guy in the traffic uh, stopping too fast or something, uh, those add up, the little ones, you know, the, and, and so just being able to be present and catch those and kind of uh, to give our, to be able to give ourselves that, that space to, to be with it. And then of course, there's the very deep ones though. Uh, the, the, the deep, deep ones that are take a lot longer to give presence to and to give, give space around. Um, uh, but yeah, it would be, it'd be a beautiful thing. And I think the teachers too could really benefit from this, uh, from this practice and even maybe some kind of, you know, community around holding space for each other to be an emotion uh, and, you know, and, and to just kind of um, be, like, there's a term, it's okay to not be okay. And that can be very healing uh, to know or to feel uh, and to be vulnerable actually, because that's it too, right? When we're emotional, um, it feels vulnerable, uh, especially to say it out loud or to admit it to ourselves, let alone others that we feel this, that, or the other. Um, and lastly, I would say culturally addressing these illusions of like emotion is weakness um, would be an important thing to, to challenge because it's by far, it's the opposite. 
emotional awareness is, is strength and power. It's not weak. Um, so. I agree. I think that's helpful for parents too. Mm. Mm. Because um, I know like I give space to my students in class and for nearly, you know, almost all of them probably. Um, you can tell that they haven't experienced that before. You know, <clears throat> not all, but for many, they haven't experienced the being able to just, it's okay. Like, let's give that some time. Let's give that some space. It's okay to feel that way. It's, you know, not like my, you know, initial days of being a mom or initial days of being a teacher 20 years ago where, you know, you try to do anything as a teacher to just get them to stop thinking it would be them feeling better, but it's not. Mm. Mm. Um, and so I think it's important for parents to give that space too. And that, that'll lead to less judgments and more being okay with being vulnerable, which is the thing I was just going to ask in my next question, but <laughs> I won't ask it yet. Uh, Jillian, did you want to add anything to emotional awareness? I think, um, I think you hit the nail on the head there with what I was thinking and um, the typical reaction today, whether it's to react to yourself or to react to children, whether they're your own or your students or whoever, whatever it is, is to try to shut it down and try, try to move on too, too quickly. Be strong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, boys don't cry, like all of those kinds of things. Mm. And when you do that, you know, just creates problems, right? Whether it's emotional or physical or whatnot. So I think that is a beautiful practice to bring to everyone to just be aware of your emotions, to work through them, to feel them, allow them to be. And then when you're ready, you know, you can let them go and move on in a peaceful way. Mm. Yeah, we talked a few weeks ago in one of our podcasts about um, the hurts. Oh. But, you know, when we, we don't stop and give them space and let those hurts heal, they, you know, they stay in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. They make our heart sick. And then, it, you know, that happens over years and years and years. And then you get to be 40 years old and you're, you know, having a heart attack. <laughs> um, but I think it's really important that kids, adults too, of course, always, but that they do give space to the feelings, no matter what they are. Yeah. What do they feel like? You know, because you, you don't even realize that your emotions have physical feelings. Like you don't even notice because you're not giving it space, uh, trying to shut it down or yeah. end it or ignore it or, you know, hold it in, whatever it is. And you don't even realize that those emotions are coming with physical attributes. Mm. Yeah. Which really adds to the, the beauty of being aware of the body. Uh, can be a very helpful way of, of bringing awareness to these emotions because some of them, especially if we're older, uh, we're so used to being like so quickly we just sweep it under and we have these mechanisms of of, of maintaining the strong image uh, that these type of things that we were taught and taught and taught and taught. Uh, so yeah, in the body awareness can be fabulous for that. And also, crying is healthy. Yes, you know, releasing is healthy. Uh, I think more men need to hear that. Although I think it's becoming more of a understood thing, but yeah. Have I always tell students that and my, my kids, it's okay. And it's, you can see how um, families do have those, you know, patterns, those conditions. Cause you know, s some of the kids will like be staring at the person who's crying, like, Oh my God gosh, why are they crying? <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah. And then they don't feel safe. Yeah. They're like to, to be, feel their emotion this can't be happening. And it's like, give them some time, give them some space. 
they're okay. They're just processing right now. And then there's people who are very like uncomfortable with it. And they're almost like trying to help, but it's like, they're trying to put into it. They're like, um, what can I get you? What can I do? Like, just, and it's just like, mm, mm. let somebody give them some space. Yeah. My kids finally understand because um, my husband didn't have that same thinking of like, it's okay to cry. <laughs> um, they do understand now. And they'll say, now I just need a few minutes or I just need to do this, you know, and give them space for that. You know where so, else my mind went with that is like with temper tantrums. Oh. Like I was just thinking today, um, my kids were away with my parents for a night and they came home today. And when my two-year-old walked in, he just started bawling his eyes out and he had a complete meltdown for probably 30 minutes. And, you know, I mean, I'm aware enough to just say, I'm going to let him get it out. And I tried to talk to him like, what's going on? Cause I had no idea, but I just let him sit there. He kicked, he screamed, you know, he did what he needed to do. And then when he was ready, he said, I want to go back in the car. Like, okay, now we can, you know, work through it, but he had to process. But I think so often, especially when we're in public, you know, if your kid's having mm. a tantrum, it's like this big thing that you have to make your kid leave or get them to be quiet and everyone gets all upset. And I think that's another thing that needs to be more accepted because they're little people with big emotions and they don't know how to process yet. Mm. So that's something else that came to my mind. Yeah, that's a good one. Wouldn't that be nice socially if like kids starts, if kids starts, you know, breaking down, everybody just stops and allows <laughs> nobody's, nobody's in their head judging and, and complaining and oh, how dare all oh, that's so inappropriate. And cause like, you know, that's the thing too. I think we need to maybe address more is um, we do emanate energy, so to speak, a, a sort of nonverbal communication happens. It, it's just, it's scientifically proven even now, maybe you know, if you don't like the word energy, fine, but whatever it is, uh, it's like you, you can feel if you're in a safe space or if you're in this like judgmental, harsh, negative space yeah. in, in a group of people. Uh, and the way to fix that is actually just comes back to the meditation. It's the awareness. If you, if you can catch yourself in that judgmentalness or that re resistance of, of another, uh, then you can kind of then choose, oh, maybe instead I'll hold a safe space for them. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and that led to the other or, uh, I just want to throw in that, that makes me think classrooms, right? If that was a normal thing, if, if one kid uh, started really feeling intense and the rest of the class practiced this, this art of um, just kind of holding space, listening in non-judgment on this internal level, and, and they kind of looked out for each other like, man, that'd be really powerful. So it's not all on just the teacher. Because uh, I, I think, too, to be fair, teachers have a tremendous amount of weight and responsibility already on them. <laughs> uh, and they, too, also need need groups uh, for for healing or for resetting or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, for emotional feeling. Uh, but, yeah. Agree. So we kind of talked about it a little bit already, but my second question was about um, judgments <laughs> and vulnerability. Um, more so something that I think that could be um, addressed at the secondary level. I think that would be kind of hard for an elementary level child. I teach elementary. I think that would be kind of challenging to, you know, take apart and discuss at that level, but, you know, middle school, high school, um, really being able to address those needs of, you know, non-judgment and that it's okay to be vulnerable, you know? So could you tell us maybe a bit more about that? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the reason it doesn't quite fit in elementary is because children at that age, they're not in a lot of judgment yet. They just have that, that pureness about them in, in many ways, unless they're in a very potentially toxic environment, then they could absorb the judgmental uh, things a bit quicker. But uh, especially like, you know, preschool kids, I mean, they're just such lovable little, 
friends and you, you know there's not this there's not all this drama and complexity of stuff going on they just in the moment happy and not judging each other at all there's no separation really but as we get older it becomes more apparent and especially i mean high school you know we've all been through high school here and like that's like judgment breeding ground <laughs> it's rough um so and I remember actually kind of being aware of that when I was in high school and it kind of drove me crazy thing. It's such a, I don't know, it's a, it's a big obstacle, both in schools, but just in humanity. And, um, but yeah, what's honestly fundamentally been most helpful for me is to focus all of my attention on my judgments uh, because that's the root is like, it's so tempting to judge the judgers, <laughs> uh, but that's like kind of not getting the point. If we're really going to break these patterns or this, this uh, vicious cycle, we just, we ourselves have to show other people what safe space feels like by holding non-judgment. Um, but the way to getting to non-judgment is first looking at all the judgments and not pretending like they're not there. <laughs> uh, this sort of inner denial of like of, of an image we would like to portray of being because I think everybody wants to kind of portray an image of being non-judgmental nobody wants to be thought of as judgmental but meditation is you know very much it's, it's in a way it's 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 stern in the sense it's like uh, it's not what you want to see it's what's there you know it's not what you want to be told it's what you need to hear is the beauty of, of, I would, you know, believe is, is meditation and deep spiritual truths or practices. It's telling us what we need to see. Um, and it's giving us reflections basically. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a humbling process to call out our own stuff, you know, and to call out our own judgments, but it's, that's what, that's the way to do it. It's to call out our own stuff. And then also I think in the school setting would be to just, sort of really remind uh, these young adults or children, teenagers and young adults uh, of this whole dynamic and how, how, how um, influential negatively it is to everyone else around them. Uh, maybe even doing like little scenario experiments where kids can firsthand kind of see, oh, here's what it feels like. Or everybody... It'd be kind of weird. Everybody judge hardly right now. Okay, now everybody don't judge and see how it feels. Is there a difference in the in the safety of the space, which there there certainly is. But um, but I think just celebrating that more, bringing more awareness to it, like in schools, it would kind of be like inviting this uh, meditation practice. It's like, all right, guys, we're going to sit for five minutes and just listen to what's going on in our minds. And if you have any judgmental thoughts, any thoughts of of oh, this person you know, shouldn't be wearing this. Oh, that person is too much of that. Just notice, don't make it wrong, but notice it, call it out, call out your stuff. <laughs> now, this is interesting is where it gets reinforced is we catch a judgment. Let's say I have a, a really mean judgment about somebody that I, pa I cross paths with. My mind says something very mean. Now, if I judge myself for having judged them, I generally will slip into denial about that judgment occurring in the first place. So it's very important to bring non-judgment to myself as I'm observing what's going on in my head, what's going on in my emotions, because then I can truly call it out, see it and go, Oh, this one is not healthy or this one's not appropriate. And just allow that to be recognized. It's not me either. That's important to recognize these judgments we're carrying. They're not us. There's nothing to be embarrassed about, really, because it's just it's your conditioning. Everybody has tremendous amounts of conditioning. And what we're doing is we're healing all this conditioning. And every time you can catch a judgment and not judge it, <laughs> so then you're healing it. You're healing that pattern a little bit. And it, if everybody could do that in their own little bubble, uh, regardless of the environment, the judgments will, will start to dissolve rather quickly and you'll find you feel safer in all these spaces. Um, the other thing I'd add too, though, on the independent, so believe it is possible to be very deeply connected in, in your own practice to where you could still be in a judgmental environment and it won't affect you at all because you're outside of that, that game 
that uh, <laughs> it's really, it's an illusion. It's a dream. So it's, it's just, you're not playing in that dream anymore. You can't, you can go beyond it, even if the environment doesn't. Um, but it would be easier for, especially young adults, if it was kind of a celebrated thing to begin with uh, on the, in the group level. Um, because it's, it just, it feels good to not be judged is the reality of it. It just feels good. Like, I don't know why anybody would disagree because <laughs> it doesn't feel good to be judged and it feels good to be accepted. It feels good to be allowed and to have that freedom. Uh, it's love really. And uh, so, yeah, but that bringing it back to ourselves and also being really mindful of our own self judgments, such a crucial thing because we tend, even if we're trying really hard not to judge anyone else around us and we oh, but here we are judging ourselves for every little mistake we make and every little moment we do yell at our kids or whatever. And you, you know, it's, it's this balance. It's this delicate balance and not perfection, but just one moment at a time. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is, um, I, I love that. That is a game changer. for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Julian, do you have anything else that you want to ask? I know we wanted to talk about those two topics, but we've done that now. Um, I mean, I have, a, there, I can think of a bunch of things, but we are pretty much at our time. So who knows, maybe we'll have to have a part two at some point. <laughs> um, so I will turn it over to Eileen for, for any last comments, but I want to just make sure I've said thank you so much, Ryan, for being here. I know I, a lot of these topics we have talked about, but you've even opened my eyes up to more, um, to, to new methods and to new ways of thinking, which I'm so grateful for. And what you're doing is so amazing and beautiful. So thank you for sharing that with us and our viewers today. Very welcome. Thank you for having me. I am grateful as well. I know um, I see you many times a week, so I'll continue <laughs> to see you, but... <laughs> You can find um, Ryan at presenceprojects.com. That's where all of his um, services are located. And he just recently joined our Facebook group. Remember, Mindset Teaching Outside the Box. So he'll be in there when we post the podcast this week. And um, yeah, I mean, where our podcast release on Wednesday. So it'll be on um, Anchor and Spotify, but it's also a YouTube channel now. So you can find mm -hmm. us on there as well. Thank you so much for coming. Yes, thank you. Bye. <laughs>